0: It is so condescending to say to a single person, like, oh, you'll find it. It'll happen for you. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you find the fucking hidden treasure? Because you what? Have a fucking guy next to you on your arm? And like, he ain't that great. Like, the people that
1: are saying this to you, like, it's like, you better look at your man's. He ain't that great. He He ain't shit.
0: Today's episode is um, our thoughts and review on the book How to Date Men When You Hate Men by Blythe Robertson. It's from 2018, so it's pretty current still. Um, Jacqueline read this book a while ago and then she thought it would be a great topic to talk about um, so I picked it up and did a quick read on it over the Christmas break and we kind of break it down chapter by chapter what we thought um, the highlights were what we you know, didn't like so much and we give our reviews at the end so be listening to the end to hear the full recap as always please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and be sure to give us those five stars we love them and follow us on Spotify. And also be sure to follow our playlists as well. We'll be coming up with some new ones in the new year. And if you have a question on how to do that, be sure to check out our Instagram at Oh My God Same Podcast because Dear Jacqueline did some really great instructional stories and they're saved for you to reference for evs and evs. Um, and I think that's it. That's Enjoy it. the episode. <laughs>
1: We back in this bitch, and it is 2020. Hello, Erin. Hello, Jacqueline. We made it to 2020. We sure Whoa. did. That's yeah. fucking crazy.
0: We've been sitting here talking for the past like hour ish, and um, we haven't seen each other in like ten days. So we had a lot to talk about. But what the fuck? Like 2019 is over.
1: It's insane.
0: Yeah. And like, I'm how glad. did it all happen?
1: I'm glad too. But do you remember when like 2000 felt like some otherworldly type of like yeah, well, futuristic it was, society? Yeah. Was 2020?
0: I know. 20 years later. It's really insane. it's It doesn't seem real. Like it's just, it's crazy. But I'm excited for 2020. Um, you know, I think it's just a wonderful time where, like, you feel like you have a fresh slate. No matter how fucked up you are, <laughs> you can always get better, and that's just a yeah. nice feeling. And I don't think we're fucked up. I mean, this time last year we were fucked up, but now I think we're like very—we've—we've we've got our head on we've our shoulders, grown up. and you know, I think um, I just think we're in a better place. Just each individually.
1: I totally agree. How was your holiday?
0: It was great. Very relaxing. It's always relaxing. Like going to your parents' house. I was at my parents' for a week and it was just like a lot of, I caught up on sleep like more than I have slept in a long time. Um, Like a full like 11 hours a night.
1: Like That's what I'm talking about. You know, that is some true beauty sleep.
0: Yeah. Like when you're at your parents' house, you go to bed really early and like I get up early because my dad is an early bird, but mm-hmm. like... I sleep for a full, like, 9, 10, 11 hours a night. And I slept the whole night through. Like, it, right. it, there's just something about that where you're just, like, you sink into the bed and you're like, I can, I have nothing to do. Like, my mind was 100% turned off, which was great.
1: That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And also, there's no, like, sirens going on outside. There's right. no, like, foolishness on the, like, Manhattan streets. Like, yeah. it's quiet so no one suburbs. coming home at 3 a.m. Right.
0: Drunken. <laughs> Um, yeah, but now my body is really upset with me, um, and so I went to the gym for the first time today after, like, a 10, 12-day hiatus, and, like, yeah, we gotta, 2020 is gonna be back about my bod, Mm -hmm. working on my bod, (laughs) (laughs) gonna work on my bod. bod, work on my bod, and, like i just i mean i've talked about it before on this podcast there was like a couple months there in the fall where i was like legit burnt out and i like did not care about the gym and i'm you know hoping that doesn't happen to me again this year but i am i'm excited to get like 100 percent back in my gym routine i've had a lot of start and stops the last couple of months which is normal and that's happens to everybody but it's a prime focus of mine how was your holiday
1: yeah um it was not as relaxing as I would have liked but it was nice I told you this before to kind of like have space to think a little bit and to really not have any obligations the next day I mean I had I had plans there was so much social time so much family time which was wonderful and great and I got to like catch up with a lot of old friends and Um, but it was a little too, like, I would have loved a day just to, like, veg out on the couch and watch Christmas movies and not have anywhere to be. Right. Um, it was nice, you know, like, again, (laughs) ate way too much food. I'm, like, feeling where I, like, ate the cake, the pieces of cake and the all the carbs yeah like it's so you can see it on your I body. See it on my
0: body I put my gym clothes on this morning and I was like these are tighter than they were
1: last time I was like stretchy pants aren't supposed to do this I'm literally yeah I went to I went to a bar class this morning and I was like spilling over my <laughs> leggings which usually like suck me in real tight yeah and I'm like yo this ain't right and then I was looking at um I was telling you I was on Facebook, which I never go on Facebook. But I was looking for um, a picture of me in 2010 so I can do the you know, the 10-year challenge or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that little bebe body <laughs> had abs. And I'm like, look at her little tiny arms. And I want that string bean body again. And so I, looking at myself 10 years ago, has given me motivation. Yeah. I, I do not want my fashion sense back then. I just want my six-pack abs. And I'm going to get them but back. But you're going to get it. You've I'm been doing
0: vegan even the last couple of weeks of December. So you know what? We have plans for our bods, and we're going to get
1: through it. Get the bod back Speaking 2020. Speaking of bod,
0: though, I do want to do a little TMI share because we brought oh. it up on our beauty episode. Please. I've already shown you. Oh, yeah, the yeah. But we talked about doing, like, clean beauty in, in 2020 and learning and doing natural deodorant. Well, I have been doing natural deodorant for, like, I want to say like almost two weeks now. And I made sure I started when I was like in New Hampshire. So like, you know, just in case something crazy happened where I was like, I smelled like horrible all week. I just wouldn't, you know, my friends and- You want to
1: be in a safe space. Co-workers
0: wouldn't have to deal with me. Right. So I did it. And this morning, I woke up with a full-on rash under my armpits.
1: Yeah, she showed me. I was in the- We were in the middle of talking about this episode. (laughs) And she just goes, she takes off her sweater. I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Lifts up her arms. And I'm like- I you literally know. were like, "Did you get a tattoo?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then my next thought was, "Did you get laser hair removal?" Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> and you're like, "No, it's natural deodorant, and there was a rash." But, but it's like
0: weird. It's not a rash. It looks like a sunburn.
1: Yeah, it does. It's it does. weird. It's but anyway. Well, I I think it's the toxins like leaving your body, and yeah. I think it's a, probably a good thing. But yeah, you know, I'm going to stick with it.
0: I don't stick like the it. the best part of it is that like I haven't smelled bad. You know, like I don't feel I went to the gym today, it wasn't any it really wasn't much different. Like I think it's just yeah, my body is just getting used to it, which I've heard that'll happen. Um, so I don't think it's abnormal, but I'm i I mean, yeah, I, think I, like it. I think it'll be great once my body like becomes accustomed to this natural lifestyle. I know. I'm- I think it'll be good. I'll feel better about, you know, the non-aluminum life.
1: Okay, today we are reviewing a book by the name of How to Date Men When You Hate Men. And it's by Blythe Robertson. And she is a comedy writer. She's written for The New Yorker, New York Mag, The Onion, Kinfolk, es- Esquire et cetera, et cetera. Um, And this book was uh, sent to me from a friend who, um, obviously the title's pretty catchy, and that's kind of where I'm at in life, um, is figuring out how the hell to date men when you're not so happy with how men are acting these days. Um, So we thought it'd be fun to break down the book um, and let you guys know what we think. And there's some interesting um, topics of conversation that we've pulled from it. Um, I know Erin has some like strong overall feelings about shocking the book and the way it was written. I think it's uh, certainly like like I said, catchy title. That's what caught my eye, and it also had a very nice book design, which you know, mm-hmm. good art. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I um, I picked it up before the holiday break, and um, I read it I want to say loosely read it um because it's it's not it's about two three hundred pages so it's actually quite long for the like the topic it is it's called how to date men when you hate men but she makes a very strong point which I want everyone to hear because I, I thought this was really smart of her to point out is that this is not like putting guys on blast and this is not like a man hating book it is the fact that like you know Women have one perspective, men have another. And the forever entangled relationship between a man and a woman is so prominent. But she does does make a point that she's really talking about men she's known before and that she's really talking about men of privilege. So she makes a point to say this is about like straight college educated white men that have privilege and sort of um, put that privilege on other white college-age, um, college-educated white women. The title alone makes you feel like she's like a man-hater. She doesn't. She says that she's seeing someone in the book, and so she obviously is has relationships with men, but they're often pretty dicey, and that's what this book is really about. Um, I really did like the way she broke it out. She has chapters sort of in the um, chronological steps of a relationship, Oops. Yeah,
1: it's it's basically from, like, crushes to flirting. This is, like, a direct quote from how she describes the book. Um, from crushes to flirting, dating and encountering problems, getting serious, breaking up, being single, and making art about it all, which she does. She put it all into this book. And I think, like, our hang-up, like, overall with this book was just, like, we didn't really connect with her tone of voice or her sarcasm. But I think there's some really interesting, relevant points that we've probably – talked about in previous episodes but like I think this book just kind of like cements it all in one nice wrapped present.
0: Yeah it's extremely relatable like points of this book. I read this book and I thought to myself I'm too old for this book because she definitely speaks with a very like stereotypical millennial voice which I'm a millennial as I've said before I'm an elder millennial but I just felt like I'm too old for this book and I also think that like I have I'm not at the beginning of dating. I'm not learning how to date. And so for me, it was a little immature. But I also, like you said, took really relevant points from it. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's how I felt before. Or I feel like that now. So I think there are some really good standout points. And
1: that's what we're going to kind of share with you right now. So we're going to go in the order of the chapters. So the first chapter is called Crushes. And, um, she, uh, I think the, I think why I related to it a little bit more when I first read it was, um, this, she, she mentions that she feels like a socially inept goblin for never having a boyfriend. I feel like it screams out, she is broken and bad. She writes that in caps. And I had an, oh my God, same moment where I've felt like this before. And maybe I don't feel like it so much anymore. Um, but you feel like. Something's fucked up with you if you've never um, had someone like like you enough to like partner up. She admits to the stress of never having a boyfriend, um, and I've certainly felt that too. Anyway, that doesn't really have anything to do with crushes, but that gives some t- context into like where she's coming from. She's never had a boyfriend. You know, she's a millennial, so we've all had our like situationships where it's like not necessarily a this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend, but like their relationships. Regardless, yeah, a relationship know,
0: is right. like something between a man and a woman or a woman and a woman, whomever you identify as or with. And that's a relationship. You don't have to have a title to have a relationship. Um, I also like the part about crushes where she talks about um, opting into romance. And she talks a lot about joy and that like crushes give you that like butterfly feeling and it's like it's the reason why you do it. And she makes the point about opting into it is so much better than opting out because if you opt out, you, you're you missing out on like the joy of dating and the joy that someone can give you. And so the first step in that is having a little crush and like and it's a fun so like fun. flirty moment. Yes, yeah. it's
1: so fun. Like that... Those like butterflies that you get in the beginning are like why I continue dating and like sifting through the bullshit because that that is such a um, it's almost like a high, you know, you're never going to like and you it also like fades too. like, of course. And so you want to like capture that moment as much as or enjoy it as much as you can. Yeah, she writes, it's fun as hell to
0: imagine a love with someone before I get to know that someone and he fucks it all up with his actual person existing everydayness. It's like, yeah, that's true yes. because when you have a crush or you've gone on a few dates with someone, you don't really know them yet. You just know like all the good things they're showing you and it's it's nice. It's, it is like, I don't want to say the honeymoon part of it, but it's just that like fun flirty time in a relationship where... It's that's the reason why you keep going back, I think, and like you don't go into other relationships with like, oh, we're gonna fight all the time. You know, those right. are the joyous moments.
1: Yeah, and I think I think you're allowed to like fantasize a little bit in the, those first few dates or the early stages. Yeah, you have to imagine that there's nothing wrong with them, mm-hmm. yeah. or if you because if you did, you probably wouldn't fucking
0: date ever again.
1: Exactly. So she also talks about um what she calls blurry faced crushes and. It's the beginning, it's the period in the beginning of having a crush on someone where you can't exactly remember what they look like. And it, I've always had this and I've always like said, like, I've always had this fear of going on a second date because I can't fucking remember what they look like. It's the most bizarre phenomenon and it makes me nervous because I'm like, did I really like them? Was I attracted to them? Like, I, I just, it's almost like the second date is the real first date. Yeah, well, I've had the same thing happen. I think on a first date, you're so nervous mm-hmm. that
0: like you you don't like take stock of their face, or you like literally haven't been around them long enough to like remember exactly what they look like. But you always do,
1: right? Like, as I've soon never as you, not known. As soon when as they you see up. the person, you're like, oh yeah, thank Right. God. But right. I always let out this like, oh thank God, right? Um, type of thing. Yeah, it's it's very like weird but I liked how she pointed that out
0: okay so the next part of the book is called flirting and her first section in this is about signals and I thought it was interesting because she really talks about how like she really takes it to her own personal level that she's not good at signals and she writes I've gotten poor peer reviews in the whole signal area. I've been accused of playing hard to understand. I've been accused of being incapable or giving or receiving signals. And I...
1: Um, can I just insert an oh my God saying? Yeah, me too. I've, I've literally, literally l- been told on a date that I'm coming off as cold.
0: Yeah, well, it's like I'm resting bitch face. That's just my face. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? But yeah, I'm really bad at signals too. I mean, that's why I think as I've gotten better at dating, like I actually have to... It, I had to try really hard to be happy. Does that sound <laughs> that sounds so bad? But it's no, true. It's like it. I have yeah. to
1: be overly enthusiastic. To compensate for how you're like normally, your face lies or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That are just like my more even keeled type of personality. I have to be like more flirty and, you know, I don't know. I don't want it to sound like I come off fake on dates, but you have to sh- be a little bit more enthusiastic about being there.
1: It's sort of like a an interview for a job. Right. You have to bump it up a little bit in terms of energy and smiling and to come across as this as a warm person, which we both are, but I think some people inherently are like much more flirty and bubbly and affectionate right away whereas I'm a little bit more reserved and some men take that as cold because they're trained to think that women are supposed to be like warm and like touchy and flirty and giggly and or that you don't like them like our
0: reservedness can come off as like we don't really want to be there
1: i've surveyed guys like okay let's hear this no i have i've i remember um i asked a guy like what was your first impression of me um, because I just, I want to know how I'm coming across. And this is, I more did this in my earlier years of dating. I don't really do it anymore because I know now that i I do it right the, fir- the first date now. I, I know how to kind of come across the way that I want to come across, but I've had guys say like, yeah, I thought you didn't like me. Right. I, and I was like, yeah, because I was sort of like figuring you out. Like, I'm not going to like a stranger right away.
0: Well, yeah, it's also the theory of, like, don't show them all your cards. Mm-hmm. But I think that is different than, like, making it known that you want to be there. And maybe you don't want to be there, but on a first date, like, you have to come off, like, positive.
1: Yeah. And we mentioned that in our Dating 101
0: series. So yeah. go back and listen to that. Um, okay, so the next part is text interpretation. And she says that she has a strong feeling that if you need to analyze someone's text to find a reading that means this person is into you, then they are not into you. And I think that's exactly right. Like, you shouldn't wait for a guy to text you. If you have to ask yourself why, it's probably not the right fit.
1: Would you agree? I agree. I mean, I think we get – we've gotten into – and I I blame, like, us as women for this – over analyzing every text every signal and we screenshot it to our friends and send it along and then they all have their own opinions but they're really putting their personal experiences into their opinion and it is just like when you shouldn't have to do all of that you should know that this person you should be comfortable that you're going to see them have no qualms about oh why aren't they texting like it it should just feel very natural and you shouldn't be questioning yourself and you shouldn't be getting insecure or like dissecting a freaking text message. And I think it's this whole other layer that like generations before us have not had to deal with in terms of dating.
0: No, not at all. And I think it goes back to the point of like if a guy wants to see you, he will. Yep. And if he's not if he's not texting you, it's because he doesn't want to see you or he doesn't want to text you. Like you have to take the signs for what they are and it's hard sometimes because you might feel like you have a really great connection with someone and obviously may or may not be reciprocated but if that's the case you don't want to be with that person anyway like it's not the match so move on and stop wasting your time with somebody who's not even fucking texting you like that's the easiest thing you can do and so if that's not even coming naturally to him or the relationship like move on find somebody else to text
1: Yes. Also I wanna insert right there. Do not if someone says on the onset, like a lot of hinge profiles have this, if someone says, I'm a bad texter, run. Don't engage absolute there's no such thing as a bad texter. Right. Okay, that is a bunch of fucking lies. And I think that's it's it's bullshit. Yeah.
0: What that person is doing is laying the groundwork yep. to not communicate. Yep. Like they're saying that's like it.
1: I'm not a relationship guy or like, I'm not really going to pay attention to you because I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. And like, I don't owe you anything. Right. Or like, if
0: I end up wanting to
1: text you a lot and I like you,
0: then I will. And that'll Mm -hmm. be a fun surprise for you. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you. Run and unfollow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um. And then she gets into digital flirting. So we've mentioned this before, but um, to men, not exclusively, but the majority of men feel like digital flirting is like less real, um, but she makes it a point in here to say, in fact, digital flirting is in a sense more real because it leaves a paper trail. So we can screenshot, we have literal receipts of like guys being shady in your DMs or or what ha- whatever it is, but there are receipts from th- these flirting encounters digitally. And so... I don't really understand why it seems less real.
0: I get both points of view. I feel like it's just less serious. Um, it's just a it's a mood about it, right? But then I do like her um, point about having receipts and being able to say like he did this. He t- he DM'd me five times yesterday or whatever. Um, and I think my part of my thoughts on digital flirting is that you know, especially the day of Instagram is that like you're sending memes all the time. And I've had a relationship like that before where it was like we were very active in each other's Instagram and that's flirting. Like Mm -hmm. liking all my photos, Mm -hmm. you know, commenting on my stories or sending me memes in my DMs all day. Like that's flirting. That's digital flirting. You're making you're thinking of that person when you see that or you're commenting on something that they're doing on their own feed and that's like you're paying attention to them that's the digital mm-hmm. learning which I think is
1: it's so easy it's easy that's what it is it's like I used to think like why is this person following why are they looking at all my stories why are they liking my posts and it's like because it's easy, and they're probably on the toilet taking a shit and like are bored. So like, awful, but true. Oh, honestly, it's, they're not thinking of it in the way that we're, you know, she makes it a point in this book to say, like, women are trained to analyze men, mm-hmm. and men are not. And so we've tried to find the meaning in all of these, like, benign things that men do, and they're not even giving a second thought. They're not saying, oh, what is she going to think? Um, if I like this photo, what is her reaction going to be? They're like, oh, she's hot. She looks cute. Like, let me just throw her a heart. Well, that or like, he watches
0: all my stories. It's like, yeah, he's watching everyone's stories. Like people just put stories on and they just go on a loop. Like they're not really watching your story. Like they're not picking you out of the full lineup. Like they're watching everyone's stories. Um, and then the last part about this section is stealing, which, I wanted to know your thoughts on stealing. Like, have you ever stolen something of a guy's, like uh, a t-shirt or, you know, some memento of them to have?
1: No, but I, the one thing that I will say is I do sometimes wish they would leave something at my place so I have an excuse to return it. <laughs> oh, you want to return it? Yeah, to see them again. Oh, got it. That's, yeah. Okay. No, not so much sense. stealing because I don't really, if I'm not seeing anyone, like I don't want any reminders of them. Like I remember I had this um Polaroid of uh, this guy that I was dating and when we ended things, I like stuffed it away in a book. I don't even know where it is. It's like, I don't even want to see it. Um, But if I'm like seeing someone, like I do sometimes hope that I, they leave something behind.
0: Yeah. I've never stolen anything. Um, cause I, oh my God, I, I just don't care. Yeah. yeah. But I've had boyfriends like leave stuff behind. Um, and I usually throw it away or like give it to Goodwill or if it's like clothes or whatever. I do like the idea if I'm like dating somebody, having like a boyfriend stuff, like I've worn like boyfriends t shirts to bed or. Makeup. Yeah, I do like
1: that. If I'm staying over at someone's house, like I like throwing on their t shirt. Yeah.
0: But once it's over,
1: oh, I you don't get want, rid I of it. I burn.
0: Yeah. Like you burn get rid of everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. So the next section is called dating. And she has a few thoughts about defining the date. And this was a part of the book that I really got annoyed with because never have I ever been out with a man a straight man who I made a plan to meet at a food service type place aka a restaurant or a bar right and didn't know it was the date
1: yeah neither have I I thought that was a little um juvenile I think and and maybe this is a thing with like younger millennials I don't know but I mean she's the same age as me but I do think it's a bit odd that you would have to wonder, is this a date or not? Because I've never had that gray area. I'm always like, yeah, I'm going on a date. Or I- you know you're not on a date. Right, like, right. Like, you've
0: never, I've never left something like that where I'm like, was that a date? It's like, it never has, an, she talks about it at length, that this happens to her all the time. And that might be a good thing to like survey people and be like, is this something that happens? Because it's never happened to me. It never happened to you. And
1: I I thought it was like, how dumb are you? The only thing is that she does mention she doesn't do dating apps. And so she's meeting men in the wild or she's meeting, um, it sounded like, you know, friends of friends or like we're in her network. So I do get there might be a little bit of like, are they interested in me? Or are they not? But if someone asks you out and you're both like single and it, there should have been some signs leading up to some like flirtation, some something where you're like, OK, this this has romantic potential. Yeah,
0: I don't know. And she even goes to the point of like making a list of ways to indicate that it is a date by being like, thank you for meeting me here on our date or like what a fun date we're already having. Like. I just, I did not like this section at all. It yeah. made me crazy. I yeah. was like, girlfriend, get a fucking clue. That's literally what I want to write back to her about this section.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then and then she goes, speaking of apps, she um, has some commentary about apps and how she doesn't use them because she feels like it's asking you to commodify yourself, which is true. I mean, you know, you're marketing yourself for a romantic consumer, um, I never really thought of about it like that too much. Um, but I do kind of like some of her points that like, it is a scientific fact that too much choice makes you less happy. And there's been other studies showing that like you are more likely to feel disappointed with their decision, with your decision when you're given more choices, because it's less likely you make the best possible choice when there's. Too many choices. And I do agree with that. I have said that year after year. I use this grocery store analogy for myself in terms of dating. Like, I don't wanna go into um, like a Wegmans or a Giant or any of these like superstore grocery stores because I am overwhelmed by the choices and I am paralyzed. I want a curated little boutique grocery store that I know exactly what I'm walking into. Yeah, I
0: I do agree with her point that like some people are app people and some people aren't because I've said a lot on this podcast that I'm not an app person And I like meeting men in the wild. I am someone that like I want to cut out the bullshit part of it where it's like, okay, you're here and I'm here. And like, oh, there's a little chemical buzz here. Okay, let's like let's keep talking about this at another time when we go on our date and have wine and blah, 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 whatever. Like that's the type of vibe I like. But I do think that there is a lot of positives about apps. Like you said, like it really kind of narrows down your preferences. You get a menu of people that are most likely to be compatible with you instead of like going on three or four dates and me realizing this guy's like, you know, he lives in Hoboken and he's unemployed.
1: I'm in a phase right now where... The apps really worked for me when I was dipping my toes into the dating scene and I wasn't as confident like I needed to be sure that this was a date and you're at least somewhat interested in me or my looks. And so I needed that taken out of the equation and I, I have, I'm not a good flirt in the wild like I get a little self-conscious and a little nervous and I do need some liquid courage. Um, But I feel like now I'm much more like evolved um, woman and I don't have any problems with approaching people now in the wild. So I feel like my need for the apps has dramatically decreased. I'm still on them, but I don't put as much time and energy as I did before.
0: Yeah, I think like the apps, it's such a great topic. I mean, we could do a whole episode just about apps, Um, but people go out with their girlfriends And they're sitting at a bar and they're sitting on their phone looking at apps. And it's like, put the phone down, put it in your purse, put it in your coat pocket and like look around. Right. There's all these straight men in a metropolitan area, if you live in a city, that are like checking you out or they want to buy you a drink. But they don't think you're single or interested because you're sitting on your phone. You could be texting your husband or emailing work like they don't really know what you're doing. And but if you put need, your phone down, you're at least like
1: showing them you're available to yeah. even just have a conversation. And men need signals like that. So she, I think this is um a little later in the book, but she talks about um, how American women are actually the ones who make the first move. And the first move is eye contact. And it only takes two to three seconds. Yeah. And so if you're on your phone or if you're analyzing some text from some bro you're not going to be looking up and looking around and making that eye contact Absolutely. that's necessary to lead to the buying of the drink that's necessary to lead to the conversation in person yeah guys don't want to be rejected
0: so the first thing they need is just a sign from you that you're not going to reject them even if it's for a moment eye contact is the best way to do it and it's also like acknowledging like you're here and I'm here yeah and like, I see you yeah I see you exactly um, and then the next part about dating is um, being chill, which I loved this part of the book, if you could believe it. Um, and I wrote in the margin, what if you actually don't care? <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, my vibe all yeah. the time. Like I just said, I have to pretend I care about this new person I've just met. It's horrible. Um, but it, you literally have to act like you don't care. So if you do care, you have to act like you don't care. Um, And regulating your emotions and like giving them out in small doses. Like don't overwhelm somebody. Like take a step back. Take a breath. She gives the advice of like waiting for the text. Say you're busy on nights you're not busy. Don't get offended when they do the same thing to you. Don't ask them for a lot. And don't rely on them for anything at the beginning. Like you're just dating. This is not like your future husband or your future wife. Like this is literally just someone you're spending time with. Um,
1: yeah, I've, I've fallen victim to that, like putting, um, having too many expectations in the beginning stages. The other thing, like I say this with a lot of experience, like I've said to
0: you before, like I did not come out of a box this way. Um, I used to get so caught up about, you know, a guy that didn't text me back right away or wasn't giving, I didn't, I wasn't chill. And I think like I learned over time that, it's better for your own mental state to like not put pressure. It's hard because if you really like someone, you you really want them to interact mm-hmm. with you and all of that. But you have to just know that if they're not doing this, it's not the right fit for you anyway. And, and learning how to be chill about that and like finding your cool is so important just for your own mental health.
1: So the next chapter is called Psychic Wounds and we're a little confused about that chapter title, but there's some... Okay yeah, I, points in I don't really
0: quite understand what a psychic wound is. Me either. So if you understand, DM us and tell us. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Remember, Erin is actually a blonde too. Oh my God, why do you have to keep saying that? <laughs> <laughs> this is actually two blondes at the table. She's just disguising her true self. So I do like her one point in here, and this is, it's not like a a new statement by any means but she says the stories our culture tells us for entertainment say that a woman's no doesn't mean i am unequivocally uninterested it means convince me you know a lot of these tv shows that we grew up with or rom-coms you know you see the man um you see the woman say no and kind of push him away and then he keeps chasing 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 and then she relents And so society kind of tells us, tells the man, keep going, keep going because a no will mean a yes one day. And that gets into some dicey territory with, you know, um, sexual sexual assaults and all of that kind of stuff. And anyway, not to get too deep into that, but I I do think like it's something that society tells you, tells us how, tells women how to act and it tells men To kind of keep chasing when a woman says no. Yeah. It's really dangerous.
0: It is dangerous. You're absolutely right. And I think it also goes back to the theory of like women need to play hard to get. And they think that and, – and I think that there's some validity to playing hard to get. But, like, when you are not interested in going on a date with a man or having a sexual experience with someone and you say no, like, that is not an invitation to keep trying. And that's definitely the point she's trying to make. I also love that she she brings up rom-coms a lot in this book. She talks at the very beginning about how she her, her parents or her mom had, like, four videos – and three of them were rom-coms. She mentions, like, Meg Ryan all the time mm-hmm. in this book. Um, she makes a point that, like, um, a lot of the guys in rom-coms actually were the villains. Like, they were, like, bad boys. And then they fell in love with this girl. And then they, like, came out the other side. They reformed. are the reformed, and I, yeah.
1: And I feel like a lot of women fall in that trap, too. Like, they think they can fix the guy. And it's, like, a project and... They're, yeah, because we're we're surrounded culturally by these stories, and so it's yeah. I, I love the idea that she has like a list of um types
0: of men that are bad. She talks about like the Meg Ryan Tom Hanks movie You've Got Mail, and how Tom Hanks in the movie is the villain the whole time, and he knows who she is, but he's still gonna buy her bookstore and like doesn't care about her personal life, but then ends up falling in love with her and. And she just forgives all of it.
1: Speaking of the types of men who are bad, um, I do like her term "professionally insecure woke boys," and these are men who say they can't be with more successful women. They're not being quirkily insecure; they're actually being straight up sexist. Professionally insecure woke boys are policing women into into not being too ambitious, and uh, like we said in the beginning, you know, these are like straight white privileged males. And it's true. Like, a lot of them do not want the woman to make more money. They have fragile little egos, and they think... And also, like, again, it does come from society that the male should provide and that the male should be, you know, earning much more money and the women should be, you know, doing household duties. And it, it's definitely an outdated concept. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like her idea, too, about, like, a nice guy. Like,
0: and yes. she does that in quotes, that, like... And You know, a nice guy is a man who feels it is a huge sacrifice to treat women with human dignity. In actuality, this should not require an extraordinary effort and is not in itself deserving of sex. Like, you actually just be a decent human being. Like, to men, to women, to everybody. Like, and a woman will feel that genuine um, vibe from you and and that's how you progress in relationships. The the act is over. Mm -hmm. It's really just, everyone sees through that shit. Yes. So the next section is called Getting Serious. Um, And she talks a lot about how to define a relationship. And she even calls out that like she questions herself. Like do you have a – do you have to define it? Like is that something that's just the right thing to do? And do you owe that to your partner? I don't know. I I guess my thought on this is that it's really specific to the people because she does mention that she's been in this like off-and-on relationship for three years. And that like they've never called each other their girlfriend or boyfriend. And maybe that's not their relationship anyway. It doesn't sound. Maybe they're not like monogamous. Um, But I'm someone that loves a definition. I work really well within a boundary as a person in most aspects of my life. So I think for me it would feel really out of control to not have a definition. But maybe the person I'm dating doesn't need it so much and I don't know it's the same reason like maybe people just don't get married anymore because they're like eh, it's fine like we're just together and it's fine it, I think that's tr- so the trouble.
1: yeah the trouble comes about when one person wants to define their relationship and the other person doesn't really care either way and so I think it works when you know couples don't want to get married if like they're both really on the same page about that but um I, I like what she said um uh, about this she said by not calling yourselves a couple you're also not contextualizing your relationship to yourself mm. calling yourselves a couple a team lets you feel like you like your life has an order you know what comes next and I think that's like what you're talking about like you I need some, I need something to, to be defined too and, and when I feel like a, a relationship is progressing but there's no definition of like what this is or where we're going I get very uneasy and that's how I kind of just operate in in my life in general like I need to know what this is and what this means
0: yeah for me to feel successful and confident I need structure
1: yeah and secure too there's a security that comes with this is my boyfriend we are in this world and I'm introducing him as such exactly Yeah. And I think it's just like being really honest with each other. I I think like
0: that's where it all boils down to is that like, you have to have that conversation and not be afraid of it. And if you need it in your relationship, you need to, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, when is the, um, when do you have the conversation to be like, are we, or aren't we? And, Sometimes it happens really organically, but other times like you do have to like put yourself out there and have the conversation and it's really hard, but I don't think there's a timeline on when to do that. I think it's whenever you feel like you absolutely need it or like it's something on your mind all the time. Like I know I've been through relationships where I'm like, it's literally the only thing I think about every time I'm with this person and that's probably a sign that you need to actually just have the conversation because it'd be better to know because if you're at the point where you want this person to be your boyfriend or girlfriend – and you have the conversation and they don't really receive it very well, well, that's what you needed to know. And that's a sign that you're not with the right person instead of, like, dating casually for, like, three more months. No. It's yeah. silly. Um, okay, so the next thing is long-distance relationships. I've had two, and I don't recommend. <laughs> I never understand why people do it. I mean, I was young, so that was my, like, ignorance. Um, but, no, it never goes well and you're always on a timeline um you're constantly like on vacation in your relationship you never get a chance to like actually like live and breathe the same routine and they don't know who you are 7 days out of the week because you only spend like two of them a month together yeah
1: you're you're seeing the highlights of someone and exactly. you are on vacation mode mm-hmm. and of course you're going to be your best self right and you need to be like breathing the same air mm-hmm. and waking up and and you know, knowing what coffee order you like or all those those little things. I think the only times it works. And I think she does mention this is like, if it's situational and if there's like a timeline on it, like, okay, we have two months, we're going to be apart, but we know at the end of the two months, you know, we'll be living in the same city again. Yeah. I, 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 I joke that I would like a long distance relationship because I love my alone time. But I think if I really loved someone, I would want to spend a lot of time with them. I think quality time is one of my love languages and I don't think I could do well with long distance.
0: No, I agree. I think like if it's something where you have to be away for like a few months, I think that's totally fine. But you shouldn't start a relationship like knowing you live in a different city, and it's it's being in a relationship at the beginning is hard enough to like get down that person's pattern and personality types and all that, and adding another layer, a it makes things go a lot slower,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and b like it just doesn't seem real to me. It really just it doesn't. You're living
1: in a fantasy land. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. And then the next part she talks about is living together, and you just kind of touched upon it that like you. It's hard to bring someone actually into your patterns and your yeah. space.
1: That's kind of what I'm most um, worried about. If I ever get in a relationship, if we, I ever get to the point where that topic comes up, like I'm such a creature of habit, and I, I've lived alone. I mean, I've had roommates, but that's a that's different. You know, you still have your own space, your own routines, and I, I think like you, you hear like relationships are like a mirror to yourself, and I'm like kind of afraid to look in the mirror um if someone ever like invades my space and that's how I kind of see it like I feel right now it's like oh my god you're invading my space even like this guy that I was recently dating he like stayed over and like used my shower and I was like get out of my shower don't use my towel I know it's look
0: I have a studio apartment and I've spent a lot of time with a guy that like stays there a lot and it's so hard I'm telling you I could make there's an unlimited amount of fights that have started because he's, like, in my space and I get annoyed. And it's really, really hard to have someone come into your space, but it's actually probably harder for them because they feel like they're overstaying their welcome, Mm -hmm. maybe, or they have to get down your routine in your space. And, like, I am such a creature of habit. Like, I like to do things exactly the way I like to do them. And you... Have a new like breathing human in your space and you're like, oh my God, all of a sudden this place is way too small and you're in the bathroom right when I need to use it and you take too long in the shower because, and and I time my whole morning out. It's like, it's so complicated. The best thing I would say, especially since I've, I've lived with someone before and I've had this, you know, studio apartment experience is that you need to find a place together it could be a studio apartment. That's fine. In New York, it's hard to have a grand apartment.
1: Yeah, like it needs to be yours together and not the other person moving into your space or vice versa. Right, you have to go yes. into
0: that together knowing this is the space we have. This is what we're going to be able to do with and it. And we've both agreed upon it. Mm-hmm. And you have the same like idea about finances. Right. And you can build it out exactly the way you are. Like I know for me, sometimes I'm like... Yeah, you need to do the dishes because guess what? I pay the rent here. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like,
0: that's not really good. That's like very combative. And I actually, full disclosure, I've never said that out loud. But that's kind of how I feel sometimes. It's like, you're not financially, but that's the whole point of living together. You have to like pool your money, figure out what works. And that's the best advice about moving in together is that like move into a new place together that you don't have history in either of you so Agreed. that you're starting hundred percent fresh
1: and other, and other men have not like been in your bed. <laughs> right. That's another you know, dicey like, situation. I just feel like it's bad juju. Oh my God. It is so bad. It's
0: so bad. Especially if you're uh, dating someone that's a little jealous. Yeah. Not, yeah. not naming names.
1: But- okay. She talks about next um, marriage and this concept of romantic stability. And this really hit me hard. Um, this concept of romantic stability and, um, well first let's touch on marriage and she kind of, um, she kind of admits that she wants to get married, a part of her wants to get married because it is a source of external validation. It is like, she has this quote, like someone is putting on a nice suit and hiring a DJ to announce publicly that they consider you interesting and fuckable. <laughs> That's so good. It's good. That's and so it's good. Like, that yeah, sums so- it up. It really does. And you get to, you know, wear a pretty white dress and have everyone come and celebrate what is supposed to be the most beautiful, amazing day of your life.
0: Romantic stability really hit me as well because I think that's what you really want, at least if you have really good intentions. Like if you literally just want a ring and have a wedding, like throw yourself a really fucking big birthday party it's it's again like building the security and and having it be like on paper and with witnesses that can say like these two people are dedicating their life to each other and mm-hmm. to build something together and I think that can make you feel so secure and like that you're not walking through life alone mm-hmm. and that's that's a big part of like being single is that you have to like do everything by yourself it sucks sometimes and yeah marriage I- is not just like getting married it's it's another level of a relationship that makes you feel a little bit more secure. Yeah,
1: I, I agree. I mean, I'm in a place where, like, I, and I mentioned to you, we talked a lot uh, before the podcast started recording, but, like, I'm so sick of the instability that is dating, and I'm in a place right now where I've done the work on myself, and I, um, I know how to support myself. I don't need someone. I want someone, and I want that I think. I I'm sick of like asking the same questions on dates and getting to know you questions and going through it's almost like a hamster wheel and you can't get off and you just feel like you're on repeat and I want to know someone inside and out in a really deep way and I and and have that romantic stability in my life and that's something that I don't have and it's it's creating this empty space where I do, where like loneliness can creep in because I want that so badly and I don't have it. And unlike other parts of your life where, you know, you can work hard in your career and you can achieve that next level, you can make more money and and climb the ladder so to speak, you can't really do that with your romantic life. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, there's no like level of hard work that you put in and you're going to get a return. There's really not. And like, that's something I've always
0: dealt with. Like I'm better at the more like tangible things than I am with like the feelings and accepting somebody else and all that. Like that's not news to anyone listening. Um, so I've had to deal with that for so long that like, you know, where's the prize for working on myself for a year right right there is no prize like you just have to keep trying and it sucks but yeah the stability is really important and it's definitely a driving force into getting into any relationship whether it ends in marriage or not but I think that also can trip people up into doing the wrong thing and thinking that like their life is gonna be solved or all the problems Mm -hmm. will be solved when you have a husband or a ring and that's just bullshit for sure and speaking of bullshit, mm. the next section is called breaking up, and she knows what
1: she's talking about and here.
0: Unfortunately, I know all about this, but I liked her. Um, I liked her perspective on it because she kind of puts a positive on breaking up, um, and that yes, it sucks and it's horrible and it's heart wrenching. But she says, um, and this is a quote, you've got one dumb life on this planet to gobble up as much joy as you can. And a big part of that means finding people to full-heartedly love and to hopefully be loved by. Yeah, it's pretty much guaranteed that that love is going to end one way or another. But knowing that endings are natural means you don't have to feel shame when your love ends and when you find yourself loving multiple people over your lifetime. And I love that because it goes back to the whole idea of like a soulmate and like, do you believe you have one person out there that you're going to spend your life with or do you have like multiple people that are coming into your life and leaving when when it's time and, and you just have these continuous experiences and I love that perspective on that because that's how I feel a lot and I think that that's like more of a realistic perspective to have and I'm glad that she didn't sugarcoat it to be like, Everybody lay in your bed for a week when you break up and cry forever. And then, you know, wallow in your wallow sorrows for six months. And, you know, I, I love the harsh perspective on it. it. This was a bright spot in the book for me. I'll say that. Yes.
1: Yes, I agree. I mean, it's sort of like be present, be in the moment. And when you want to feel joy and love, like enjoy that. And don't regret putting yourself out there and being vulnerable or don't already think about what the ending is gonna be when you're in the middle. Um, she does, I, I think there's, uh, she does say rejection is good. I mean, we all know that. We, rejection in all parts of life is good because it makes you stronger. And you have to find the ways to not let rejection completely ruin you and, and have you like locked up in your apartment. You have to, it's character building.
0: Yeah, I think rejection is good too. I mean, it's horrible and it sucks like hearing the worst things about yourself maybe Um, or or just having someone like not choose you. But I also think that, like we mentioned this in our New Year's episode that like there's things about life that you don't think are going to turn out that way or unexpected shittiness, but it gets you to where you're going to be. And like without some of the rejection, you wouldn't end up where you are or you wouldn't end up with the right person perhaps. Mm -hmm. And I think that... It's healthy to have rejection because it it also humbles you a lot. Yes. Like, not, no one walking around in these mean streets are, is, like, a perfect person. And if you think you are, you are dead wrong. And rejection can really, like, make you sit back and take several seats and, like, understand what the fuck
1: you're doing in a relationship maybe or in your life. So she also talks about some of the cliche breakup lines and how, you know, she sort of understands why they're used, Um But some of them are just kind of bullshit and overused. Um, The whole, like, you deserve better uh, line is used a lot with men. And I hate this one because Mm -hmm. she says, um, and I quote, he can't let you have your pain because this is for you and he's being self-sacrificing. It's really fucked up and a little gaslighty. Yeah. It's true. It's like, oh, you deserve better. You're so much better than me. And what she says is like, no one thinks that. Everybody thinks that they're a God and everybody's like mother tells them they're like God's gift to, to this earth. So that's not true. That's fundamentally not true. The other one is I'm not emotionally ready for a relationship or I'm or I'm simply not ready for a relationship. And the amount of times I've heard that is just ridiculous. And what annoys me about that especially is is when the man's actions lead you to believe that he wants one or he's showing these actions that are indicative of what he would be like in a relationship. And then for someone to say that to you and it's like, well, wait, wait, wait. Like, why were you doing all of these things for me? Why were you, you know, bringing me soup when I was sick? Or why were you, like, you go back in time and you're like, that doesn't add up.
0: Yeah, I think that... It would it it's not easy to hear but it would be so much more refreshing for someone to just be like I really enjoyed spending these last few months with you or however long it's been and like I just don't think we have like the stuff it's going to take to get into the next level. That is fine. Yes. It's not mean. It's honest and it's true then you're not I'm not ready for a relationship is complete bullshit. No one goes into a dating situation Unless you just want to hook up, but then you just, you hook up. You don't keep going on dates right. or like right. what you were saying, do these nice things, go out of your way for someone. If you don't want or have an idea that potentially this could be a relationship, it's just flat out lying. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's, I, I a that. it's a line. It's a line. It's a, lie. Lie. Yes. <laughs> it's a line and it's a lie. Yes. It's a line and it's a lie. That is, that's a good line. Yeah.
0: Okay, so the next one is ghosting. And we're not going to talk too much about ghosting because everybody knows how we feel about ghosting at this point. Um, But it's, she writes, and this is a quote that Jacqueline pulled out. How extremely rude is ghosting? You, the ghoster, just stop responding to a person, the ghosty, as if they never deserve to have met you. That is fucking a killer way to sum up how shitty ghosting is. Like,
1: you are literally making them feel like they never met you. And they never, and they don't exist anymore. There
0: is nothing more insulting than pretending someone doesn't exist. Like we make that joke like, oh, I forget you ever existed, whatever. Yeah, sure. It's all for fun and it's a joke. But like when you actually ghost someone, that is what you're doing. And it's not funny. It's just crazy that people think that that's an acceptable behavior. It's horrible karma too. Oh yeah.
1: Horrible karma. I believe like the energy that you put out in the world, it's going to come around and that's what karma is. But like it is, and it also like doesn't feel good when I've only ghosted, like I said, someone once and it like, I still am reminded of it and it doesn't feel good. So I don't understand how people can like sit with that. Anyway, that's, that's all we'll say about it. But that line was Killer so good.
0: Yeah, and like, I mean, just to finish the ghosting thing, it's like, when you are like, trying to avoid somebody, it's like you're always checking your phone, like, oh my god, are they texting me again? It's like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. It's really shitty.
1: Okay, the next chapter is being single, so post-breakup. So, in the beginning, she describes this concept that comes from her family um, of being a full tree. And what it means to her is that it Being a full tree means you're a self-actualized person, someone complete in themselves and operating at their maximum capacity. Um, And she says that experiencing romantic love is by no means a necessary prerequisite to being a full tree. And she had once thought that, that if you have romantic love, like you are a full person. And, And that really hit me hard because I have always felt that because I haven't experienced love and given love in a romantic way... Um, That I was less, I was like less a human or less of a woman um, because I haven't had that human experience. Um, It was almost like I'm missing out on something that everybody is, that seemingly everybody is experiencing. And so I'm missing out on like the meaning of life. Like that's really how I thought about it until very, very recently. And I think that just, that full tree concept is, pretty beautiful and I do feel like I'm and she says you know as a single woman I feel like I'm a full tree and there's nothing wrong with it and own it yeah I love the full tree metaphor I also like that she makes the point um that
0: like outside things are not going to make you a fuller tree if you have multiple partners or whatever like if you keep adding and adding and adding that'll make you a fuller tree it's like that actually is just making you less and less of a person, you're giving more of yourself away to more things. And it starts with you. You are the tree, not all the stuff.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. It's more of like your internal life needs right. to be full. Um, and maybe if you have all of the things, you have the beautiful house, you have the perfect husband, you have beautiful kids. Like on the outside, you might look like that full tree, but you might be broken inside. So I think it's, it starts with yourself and you, and it takes a lot of work. To become a self-actualized person.
0: Yeah. For sure. I'm still trying to figure it out. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Okay. And then she ends this section by talking about the cliche line of, like, you'll find love when you least expect it. And Jacqueline and I did, like, a full eye roll to this part because, A, it's such a bullshit thing to say to someone. And it, it is so condescending to say to a single person, like, oh, you'll find it. It'll happen for you. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you find the fucking hidden treasure? Because you, what, have a fucking
1: guy next to you on your arm? And, like, he ain't that great. Like, the people that are saying this to you, like, it's like, you better look at your man's. He ain't that
0: great. He ain't shit. He ain't shit.
1: Yeah, Yeah, like, it's so crazy.
0: It's like, no, I will, the right person will come along when they come along because I will work for it. And I will put myself out there and we will have good chemistry because we are two individuals that want to be in the same place at the same time. And that's when it will happen. Not because I fucking stumbled into a Starbucks one day and decided my barista was my one true love. Like, (laughs) fuck that.
1: The only like little speck of truth in that is I do think that Whoever my person is going to be is going to come in a package that maybe I didn't expect, or come about in an unexpected way. Not that like you're going to just find it like on a street, like a you know twenty dollar bill. That it's not going to happen. Right. I love the the line she has in here
0: is, um, "You'll find love when you least expect it." To anyone, probably, but especially not to single women. To us, it just means be less desperate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the last section is called making art. And I, full disclosure, I had to be like, Jacqueline, what does this mean? <laughs> and she definitely explained it to me a little bit better. Um,
1: yeah, so she basically. Go ahead. Yeah. She, tell everybody. Um, she basically says like all of these experiences, like the way that she um, processes them, is that she's a writer. So she puts all of these thoughts and and feelings into words and she obviously made this book and and you don't have to necessarily be a writer or an artist per se to make sense of these very complex relationships that we have and 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 dating in particular um you know I think like our our form of art could be doing this podcast and talking about these things like you know it's not writing but we're we're reading and we're talking about it and it helps with like normalizing and and just sharing struggles. Yeah
0: I, I understand it a lot more now. Um, I think that it's also like um, when you get lemons you make lemonade and you have to sort of take some of the experiences you have in your life and apply it and however it might be. Like maybe it's not art but yeah maybe it's like journaling or you know taking a Um, stress or frustration and going and working out or doing yoga you know it's like it's it's almost just like channeling these types of things and these personal relationships into something good if you need or an outlet perhaps is a better way to put it and I love that what do you think are the rules about talking about men in our art as (laughs) i.e podcast
1: yeah, I mean, my rule right now, and and this is going to change, like I know if I get into a rela- relationship, these rules might change based on like respecting the other person's wishes. Um, I would hope that whoever I would end up with would be like cool and chill enough to be like, yeah, you can like talk about most things, like obviously don't share like super intimate details, but I would hope that whoever I end up with is going to be like totally fine and supportive with like my art or, like, what we're doing and, and being, like, along for the ride and, and kind of having a sense of humor about it. Right now, like, you know, I kind of mentioned on a couple episodes ago that, like, I was dating someone, I liked him, and so I was being a little, like, I wasn't oversharing because I, I didn't know how it was going to end up, and then he ended up, you know, being a dickhead, and then I talked about him. It was fair game. So that's right. kind of where I'm at. Yeah, no, I
0: think that's exactly right. I think it, it's something that you have to figure out between the two of you, and I think once you get to the point where – you are more secure in the relationship you'll know that person a lot better and you'll know what they would or would not be okay with right right um and definitely like having the conversation i think is important to be like yeah this is i share my life on this recorded podcast and like anybody in the world can listen and they do because we've gone global
1: (laughs) (laughs) we have listeners in several countries okay i know like rando countries
0: But yeah, no, I think, like, it's just about communication and, like, knowing that you're going to do this and them being okay with it. Or maybe they're not okay with it, and then you have to respect that. Um, and I think that that's, that's the thing. She definitely doesn't hold back in this book. Would you recommend this no. book?
1: I would. I would say, like, there are bits and pieces that were valuable, and I think it was obviously enough of a conversation topic for us to do dedicate a whole podcast to. Um it depends where you are in life. I think she, I related to it because she also lives in New York. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the struggles are heightened here. Yeah. And so there's an element of like, she, she mentions like uh, dating in New York City is like The Bachelor. Where you have one mediocre man that like 2,000 women want to date. And I thought it was hilarious because it is so true.
0: Yeah. Um, I think she says at one point there's one man for every seven women in yeah, New York City. Yeah. And this was published in 2018, so it's pretty probably one current. Eight now. Right. <laughs> Things have just gone downhill.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would recommend it if you're if you're struggling with being single and dating and being a little lost, pick it up. I think it's a fun read. It's not too serious. It's not a self help book. It's just sort of pointing out like. Society is kind of fucked up, and it kind of fucks us up. All like growing up with all of these like rom coms and fantasies, and there's a lot of things that she points out that I was like, oh yeah, it uh, makes
0: sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I I'm mixed about whether or not I would recommend. I think that it's definitely not a self help book, so that's in that's a good thing. Um, and I did like certain parts of it and I liked the way she put things, um, like ideas or concepts that we all feel all the time. And I liked the way she phrased it. Um, and there were definitely some bright spots, but I would say overall, I was not a fan. Um, I do think that it, it, it's a little bit of my age, um, and her age perhaps that like, I just feel like I'm a little bit beyond it. Um, which isn't necessarily something that someone else would feel. It's my own personal view, but, um, I thought the title was really not a good title for the book. You know, like, when you look at the title, you think that she's going to bash guys and, like, tell you all the shitty things someone's done to her. And that really wasn't it. Like, part of, like, the rom-com and, like, the way women are taught to view relationships and that, like, historically women are a little bit um, more of the victim, I think is true to the title. Versus how to date men if you hate men.
1: Because she's not, it's also a little inauthentic because she's going on these dates where she doesn't even think it's a date. So it's like, I kind of wanted more, yeah, I think to own that title, you have to have sort of more authority in that dating world of like, no, I'm going on these dates and I've been through a bunch of men. I I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to totally dissect that but
0: no I agree I think that's a good way to put it she doesn't quite have the authority to have this conversation and I just don't think the title and the context of the book really matched up doesn't link up in a whole whole way like parts of it do but not the whole premise of it right
1: all right, that was our episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Pick up the book if you're interested. Um, if you would l- have any other book recommendations for us that you think that would be really good for us to break down, please DM us send send them our way. I'm always interested. Um, one of my news resolutions this year is to read more. So And put send- your damn phone down. And put my damn phone <laughs> down. I listen. <laughs> Um, so just a gentle reminder to please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and Instagram at Oh My God Same Podcast. Um, what else? Email us if you so choose, but really I'll respond to the DMs right away. Mhm. Yeah. It's so a DM girl. Yeah, I'm a DM the girl, email, but
0: you'll find us one way or the other. Just keep keep the thoughts and feedback coming, and hey, you know what? Why don't you share us on your stories? (gasps) Yes, (gasps) that's great. Please do that. That would be so great. We are so excited about the new year. This is our first episode of the new year. And um, share us to your friends. Tell your
1: friends. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you next week. Bye, guys.